Happy Saturday, everyone! My name is Jane Darnell, and welcome to my J-Talk. So I just finished, and when I say just finished, I mean literally the day before this episode is coming out, Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmu, and that's how I'm pronouncing it. It's spelled J-R-M-U-S, but I'm going to pronounce it Bonnie Garmu. And it has been a while since I've talked specifically about a book on the podcast, and I don't know how long this episode is going to be, because obviously this is the beginning. I haven't, I don't know how long I'm going to be talking about it, but this book was absolutely phenomenal from start to finish, and I wanted to talk about it today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off with reading the book jacket cover so that you guys get like a synopsis of what it is about. And then I'm going to go ahead and tell you that if this is a book that you think that you want to read without any spoilers, after I read the book jacket, go ahead and click off, go listen to something else because we will be talking about spoilers. Um, But if you don't mind a spoiler or two, or you might not ever read this book, continue listening because I really wanted to talk about it because I loved this book. So I want to start off with the book jacket cover first. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys if at any point in this podcast you can hear my dog barking, please ignore it. She's been an absolute menace to society today and I'm done dealing with it. So just ignore her because I don't simply know what else to do with her. Okay, time for the book jacket. Okay, children set the table. Your mother needs a moment to herself. Chemist Elizabeth Zott is not your average woman. In fact, Elizabeth Zott would be the first to point out that there is no such thing as an average woman. But it's the early 1960s, and her all-male team at Hastings Research Institute takes a very unscientific view of equality, except for one, Calvin Evans, the lonely, brilliant, Nobel Prize-nominated grudge holder who falls in love with, of all things, her mind. True chemistry results. Like science, though, life is unpredictable, which is why a few years later, Elizabeth Zott finds herself not only a single mother, but also the reluctant star of America's most beloved cooking show, Supper at Six. Elizabeth's unusual unusual approach to cooking, combined one tablespoon acidic acid with a pinch of sodium chloride, proves revolutionary, but as her following grows, not everyone is happy, because, as it turns out, Elizabeth Zott isn't just teaching women to cook, she's daring them to change the status quo. Laugh out loud funny, shrewdly observant, and studded with a dazzling cast of supporting characters, Lessons in Chemistry is as original and vibrant as its protagonist. So I had gone into Barnes & Noble at the end of the year, probably December, January-ish, and there was a table full of these books, and it was claimed to be Barnes & Noble's 2022 Book of the Year, and so that's why it was on display everywhere, because, you know, it's a big deal to be Barnes & Noble's Book of the Year. And I had walked past it, and I was like, "Mm, I don't know if I want to spend $30 for a book, like, during the holidays, and at that time I wasn't working, so I was like, okay, whatever. And then I went to a secondhand bookstore, and I found the book for $12, and it was in perfect condition, and I was like, all right, you know what, whatever, I'm gonna grab it. And I started reading this book March 2nd, and I absolutely loved it from the first page. Um, But then I kind of fell into like a reading slump. The book was interesting. I was just not in the mood to read. So it took me way longer than I thought it would have to finish this book, but I did eventually finish it. It's 380-something pages long. Um, And the cover is this orangish pink that says lesson in chemistry and it's got a blonde woman uh, with a pencil sticking out of her hair. And yeah, so that's, if you're looking for the book, because I'm sure it's not on display tables anymore at Barnes and Noble, but if you're looking for this book anywhere, that is what the book cover looks like. Lessons in chemistry, Bonnie Garmu. And it's got that corally-ish uh, color with the blonde woman 
pencil sticking out of her hair. I just repeated myself twice. So if you find yourself in the bookstore, just repeat that part and you should be able to find the book. Okay, so that is what I'm going to tell you guys. If you want to read the book and you don't want any spoilers, now's the time to click away, okay? I'm so sorry. I'll talk to you next week. But for those of you who want to continue listening and hearing my thoughts on the book, now we're going to go ahead and start that. But I just wanted to give that fair warning to the people who don't like spoilers. Lessons in Chemistry is a book written for the girls. And I say that in the sense that Evelyn Hugo, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, was written for the girls because the main protagonist is a woman written by a woman. You can always tell the difference between when the writer is a man versus a woman. And there's nothing wrong with male authors. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying there's always that little bit more of understanding from a woman's perspective when I'm reading a character written by a woman. Why? Because I relate to it. Why? Because I'm a woman. So like I said, nothing wrong with it. But I definitely feel like this book was written for the girlies. And not to say that if you're a guy that you can't read this, I think everyone should read this book because that's how much I love it. But simply amazing. The protagonist, Elizabeth Zott, is a chemist and she gives me, like how I was describing it to my friends and family, was she gives me very much like Sheldon Cooper vibes or Amy, I can't think of the girl's name, but Sheldon Cooper's love interest in The Big Bang Theory. Um, or maybe Paige, if you watch Young Sheldon, where she's smart, she knows she's smart, and she speaks very matter-of-factly. Like, she doesn't joke around in kid. I don't think that she said one joke, like, meaningful joke. Like, people have laughed at what she said, but she said no joke, no one joke in the entire book. She's a very matter-of-fact, science-based character. And at first, I thought that I was going to find trouble relating to her in that, because I am very much not a woman in STEM my degree is in business. Okay. Um, and so I was kind of like a little bit nervous that I wasn't going to be able to relate to her in some ways, but I actually related to her in many ways. And I think many people will, as they read this book and they kind of go through it. Um, but basically she gets this job at this research Institute after not completing her master's or PhD, um, at UCLA. And what you find out from that is that she basically was, like, told that she wasn't smart enough when all of her work was correct. And when she went to go talk to the professor about it, he attempted to sexually, you know, assault her. And what she did is she found a pencil and she stabbed the man. That got him off of her and he had called the police and the police were basically, like, like, trying to basically make it her fault because, like, how dare you, like, you know, stab this man with your pencil? And she was like, he was attacking me. Like, what else was I supposed to do? Like, I, this wasn't going to happen. I defended myself. As we have heard this story spun and told a million times, I'm just trying to defend myself. And yet, the man gets off scot-free, okay? And actually, the she goes to, like, the board because she's like, I want to finish my degree. Like, can't you do something about this? Like, he's the man that, like attacked me and the board is basically like yeah we know that he's a real slimy guy and like he does this to a lot of girls but like he brings in the most funding so sorry about your luck and it's that when that happened absolutely insane to me but it's so real because that happens all the time where you know he brings in a lot of money the wealthy get away with things men get away with things because of the status that they hold women get away with things because of the status they hold but it's like if you're a bad person, you did something bad, you deserve to be punished for it. You tried to sexually assault a student of yours, 
and she defended herself and now she's the one that's getting kicked out of the school. Um, so as shocking as it was for me while I was reading that, I was also not surprised because that happens every day in our world. And basically the police were trying to get like a statement of regret from Elizabeth, like where she like apologized for it. And she said, you know, I do have one regret. And this is when I fell in love with Elizabeth Zott. She said, I regret not having more pencils. I had to put the book down when she said that because I was like, Miss Girl, Miss Girl. And uh, that is actually why she now always keeps a pencil on her. She keeps it either in her bun, behind her ear. And it kind of works well in her profession anyway because she is a chemist. But um, I love the symbolism of the pencil because that is a defense mechanism. But it's also something that she uses every day in her life because she's a scientist. And so that is kind of like the introduction that we get. So she goes to Hastings, which is this research institute. And it's basically all men in all of the departments. She's in the chemistry department, obviously. And the women are basically just secretaries. It is the 60s. Um, and so they're basically just secretaries. And so her colleagues treat her like she's so dumb because she's a woman that she's incapable of this. But she's having this groundbreaking research that they need for their funding because an investor is so interested in what she's studying and they're like, oh my gosh. So what they're doing is basically the, her boss is passing her off as Mr. Zot, not Mrs. Zot, um, so that they don't know that it's a woman and basically making her life a living hell, but, you know, capitalizing off of her research. Once again, we see this happening all the time where the little man is doing all the work and the big man gets all the credit for it. So that's kind of where the book starts and you can automatically feel the frustration for this character where you're like, oh my goodness, like you are more than capable of leading the team and research on this, more than capable of making huge scientific discoveries in this area. But of course, the one limitation that you have is that you're a woman in the 60s who's basically being mocked at for not being a secretary or not being, uh, you know... They all think, okay, it's fine because, like, she'll get married and then she'll stay at home and be a housewife and everything will be fine. So that's the start of the book and really hooked me from the very beginning with all of that because I feel like everyone can relate to Elizabeth in one way or another. Whether you relate to her as a person in STEM who is like, oh, yeah, like, you know, just like relating to whatever, being a student who's been taken advantage of, being a woman who's been told that you're not good enough, like, like you need to be doing anything else, being, having your work being stolen from you and passed off of somebody else's. I feel like we can all kind of relate to her in one of her frustrations and she has many. And like I said, she never jokes about anything. She never like really like complains about anything. She's very matter of fact. So I think that's kind of easy. Like I found myself like complaining for her. I'm like, why don't you say this? Like, She's a character in a book. She can't hear me and her story's already been written. So that's where we start off. And then she meets Calvin. So Calvin is the head person, basically, in terms of scientists at Hastings. So he brings in the most funding. They He was wanted by research institutes all over America he ended up choosing Hastings because it was close to an area where he could row. He was very passionate about rowing. And basically, he had his own big office, big lab, and all the guys hated him because they were like, what the heck? You know, that competition factor between people. And he falls in love with Elizabeth Zott. Only after a little bit of them kind of like bumping into each other and everything. But eventually, he's like, I am just 
in love with this woman. And then that makes everyone hate them both even more because all the girls are like, why can't we be with, you know, successful and rich Calvin? And all the guys are like, why don't we get to bang Elizabeth Zott? Because that's another thing about her is that she's very attractive. Like, she's smart and she's beautiful and yeah, she's just, yeah, that's mentioned a lot in the book. And so together they are just the insufferable couple of everyone's dreams. And they end up moving in together and, you know, they sleep together, they live together, they work together, and they get along really well. They talk a lot about science and about other things in the world, and they both fall in love with each other. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, yeah, like, this man's gonna propose to her. He actually does, and she rejects him because, once again, I'm going to say this probably multiple times during this, it was the 60s, and she would have had to have changed her last name, but she wanted all of her accomplishments and all of her research to be under her name Zot and not Evans because he didn't do the work she did. And eventually Calvin was like, you know, okay, like, all right, whatever, we'll just let this happen. And so, because that's just how in love with her that he is. And so he proposes whatever. She's like, no, but they still stay together and they adopt a dog together. The dog's name is 630. I love this dog. She teaches the dog how to read. Like, of course, I don't know. It's just the dog's like kind of like just like a cute side character who has like a whole personality because it's not just a dog. It's Elizabeth Zott's dog and the dog knows how to read. But basically, unfortunately, Calvin dies and basically what happened there is he was walking 630 or going on a run with 630 and the government had just passed a new law that dogs had to be on leashes and something happened and 630 ran one way, Calvin ran the other and Calvin slipped, hit his head and then also got backed over by a police car. So, you know, tough. And he dies and then Elizabeth finds out that she's pregnant so not only is she unwed, but now she's pregnant and she can't even claim Calvin's stuff because they were never married. She's not a widow. She's just technically his ex-girlfriend at this point. And now she's stuck with a kid and she, neither of them ever wanted children. And so she's stuck now raising a child that she did not want. And then on top of that, she gets fired from Hastings because it's the 60s. How dare you be an unwed woman who's pregnant working at Hastings? Absolutely not. If anyone finds out, they're going to blackball us. So you're you're out. So she gets fired basically where she's like, so you're telling me that if Calvin was here, that he would have also gotten fired because he's also unwed and he has a child on the way. And they were like, well, no, of course not. And she's like, what's the difference? What is the difference? But whatever, they fire her and Calvin actually had put the house in both him and Elizabeth's name and she had a little bit of savings saved up. So when they fired her, she was good for a little bit and uh, she has a kid. And of course, the first six months of this kid's life is absolutely miserable for Elizabeth because she's very matter of fact and you can't just ask a baby what's wrong. They cry when they need something, but it could be 17 different somethings. Um, and so she ends up enlisting the help of her neighbor and her neighbor's name is Salone, Harriet Salone. So Harriet ends up helping her with the baby because she had kids of her own. She knows a little bit better how to relate to a baby because she's had kids before and they become friends more like family. And then Elizabeth runs into the problem where she doesn't have any money. So she ends up going back to Hastings and they need her because 
at this point, their big investor who was investing in Elizabeth's project but didn't know that it was Elizabeth is asking for more progress and they don't have any because they're not smart enough to continue her work. They don't understand it the way that she does. So she goes back to Hastings and she thinks, okay, I'm going to get my job back as a chemist. Like, my kid's now in school. Like, it's fine. And um, they make her a typist. They make her basically, you know, doing the grunt work, the boring work, the work that they place on women because they think that's all women can do. And she's kind of just holding on to it because she's like, okay, I need the money. I have a child to support, whatever. And then some, I don't even remember what happens. And that's crazy because I just read that part two days ago, but she ends up quitting Hastings again for a second time. And she ends up becoming the star of a cooking show through basically she went into the producer's office, um, on set. Cause she was like, your daughter keeps eating my daughter's lunches at school. Please stop. And he was just so taken aback about, like, how confident she was, how beautiful she was. Like, he was like, she can command an audience. She would be great on television. So after some back and forth, he convinces her to try doing this cooking show and she takes it because she needs money. The show is called Supper at Six and that kind of breaks us into the next portion of the book. So this portion of the book was my absolute favorite. I absolutely devoured it because Elizabeth gets to thrive for the first time in the book that we're seeing. And it's not by choice. She never wanted to be a TV personality, never wanted to be an entertainer. She makes that known. But basically, she goes on to set and, like, there's the producer and then there is the producer's boss. And the producer's boss is like, she's gonna wear tight clothing and she's gonna do this and that. And they're trying to make it very, like, it's just a cooking show. And Elizabeth is like, haha, no. Like, she refuses to wear the tight clothing she talks in chemistry terms because she's like, people can understand it. Like, why are you trying to, like, limit a woman's education and a woman's knowledge? Like, she can, she's capable of understanding chemistry. Anyone is. Just very, once again, matter of fact. And so, throughout the show, like, the first couple of episodes, like, people are like, what the heck is this woman on? Like, this is so weird. Why is she not normal? And then as you start going through, like, you see that women in the audience start bringing notebooks to take notes on her show and they're learning. And basically she's teaching that chemistry is life. It's the basis of all life. If you understand chemistry, you'll understand life. So she's teaching these life lessons while she's cooking in the kitchen. And I love the way that the author did this because she could have set this in 2023 where it would not have hit as hard for a woman to be doing something like that because now with this whole revolution of women can, you know, women are smart. Women can just be homemakers if they want to be. Women can do this and that. They can be anything that they want to be. Like I said, the Barbie effect, a couple of, that was in March. That was for my women's episode. Um, the Barbie effect where women can be something nowadays. Um, she chose to set it in the sixties where women were allowed to work, but they were not allowed to be seen as equal to their male counterparts. And so to set that in there and then to put Elizabeth in this situation where she is not a TV entertainer, she is not going to sell her soul to the company store, like, just to have her 15 minutes of fame, like, she's going to stay authentic and true to herself and then teach women lessons in the place that they are expected. Women are expected to be in the kitchen providing for their, or not providing for their families financially, but, like, feeding their families, cleaning up after them, you know, just those very stereotypical 1960s roles that women played for her to set Elizabeth in that setting for her to teach lessons to women and to inspire them I thought was absolutely brilliant and it made me love this book even more because it felt authentic and it felt appropriate 
for that, like to get your message across. That was the best way to do it. And so eventually throughout the show, like she gains many fans and then they start doing like where they ask a question or two at the end and she'll answer it. Cause like, you know, she's done, she's got time to. And one of the women, the very first woman, I love this scene in the book. One of the women is like, basically asks Elizabeth a question and she's like, what, what do you do? And she's like, oh, I'm, I'm just a housewife. And Elizabeth's like, no woman is just a housewife. And then she talks about how it's such an undervalued role and underappreciated role that your husband expects you to do these things. Your kids don't thank you because it's just how they were raised that, you know, mom's going to do this and that, like whatever. And she's talking to this woman and she's finding out that this woman is really good at, um, medical things. And she's like, what, what did you want to be basically? And the woman, you know, is kind of embarrassed. And she's like, I wanted to be an open heart surgeon. And she was like, so do it. And the woman's like, well, no, I, I can't. It's, uh, it's too hard. And Elizabeth's like, harder than raising five boys, which the woman had five boys. And she's like, well, I don't even know where I would start. And Elizabeth just lists out, like, she goes, she's like the library, MCAT, residency, like just very, once again, matter of fact. And, um, this woman was like, but, but, but my husband, and she's like, is a very lucky man. And then like moves on and she looks into the camera and basically it's like, oh, like she didn't understand or she didn't know that this was going to happen. But she looked into the camera like she was looking into those little boys' souls at home because they were watching the show. And they were like, children, set the table. Your mother needs a moment to herself. Because it's kind of the thing that's like, your mom is not going to spend all day cleaning watching you cook the meal, serve it to you, then have to clean up and everything, set the table, do all that. Like, you're going to help a little bit. Set the table for your mother so she can have a moment to pursue her career, to have a moment to herself, which is something that they just didn't get in that time, they didn't get a moment to themselves because they were expected to be the wife, the mother, the homemaker. So, like, that part of the book I absolutely adored because it was just a moment where I was like, yeah, yeah, she can, she can do it. And her husband is lucky that he has a, a smart wife who loves her boys, who puts in the work. Like, yeah, he is lucky. And so, absolutely adored that scene in the book. And, you know, that's just kind of how the rest of the book goes on as we get episodes and she's teaching lessons and all this stuff. And then the producer's boss calls her into his office one day because he is upset um, because he's getting angry letters and calls about the show, but it's from men. It's from them being like, well, my wife is inspired and thinks that she can do things now. Like, I need her to stay in the kitchen. I don't need that Zot girl like, trying to tell her, like, otherwise, but the amount of support that she's getting and fan mail that she's getting and love outweighs the men badly in all areas. And basically, the boss calls her in after um, a scene that I also thought was very powerful where Harriet is, like, where her husband punched her and gave her a black eye, and Elizabeth's like, I'm gonna go over there and call the police. And she was like, the police aren't going to believe us, Elizabeth, and you know that. And she's like, well, then I'm going to go over there and give him a piece of my mind. And she was like, oh, so he can call the police on you and they're going to arrest you because they're going to take his word over your word any day. And she was like, okay. And then someone slips under Elizabeth's door, the, all the salaries of everyone on the, like, who are the face of TV shows. And she makes significantly less compared to her male counterparts. So what she does in that episode of Separate Six is she is like, talks about this poisonous mushroom. And she was like, yeah, she goes, well, you can slip it into your husband who abuses you, his soup, or you can stick it on a pizza that you're going to give to your boss who pays you significantly less than everyone else. And then she like, 
I guess she kind of makes a joke in this point, but she like steps back and she's like, but all the men in our lives are absolutely wonderful to us, aren't they, ladies? And if anyone ever blames you for killing your husband with a poisonous mushroom, just play the dumb housewife. That's all they think you are anyway. I was, I simply, I had to set the book down and take a walk around my house after that. I was like, oh, Miss Elizabeth, absolutely. And so basically then her boss like, the big boss calls her in because he's furious, he fires her, whatever, and she's, like, very, like, okay, I didn't want to do this anyway, and, uh, basically then he gets upset that she's not reacting and then plans to take advantage of her sexually, and she pulls out a knife that she had in her bag that she used on the cooking show, and he sees the knife and then has a heart attack. He doesn't die, but he has to take a year off to recover from it, and, um, you know, like, she, like, she never used the knife. She just simply pulled it out of her bag. And so what happens is, is she's talking to the producer of the show and tells him, like, what happens. And he was like, I never wanted you, like, t- meeting with him alone. Like, I told you. And she was like, well, I mean, he requested a meeting with me and you were gone for the day. Like, what was I supposed to do? But it's because the producer knew that the boss was, like, a slime ball. And he had said, and this was so profound and powerful when he said this, he was like, well, you know, like, Guys, like, not not all guys are like that, where they take advantage of women and they're really gross and disgusting towards them. But the guys like me who are good, like, we don't ever say anything to the guys like him. And I was like, oh, oh my goodness. It's that thing that was really huge where it's like, it's not all men, but if you are a bystander, you know that your friend is doing something and you don't say something, you don't protect the women that you do see going through things, then you are part of the problem. Bystanders are a part of the problem. That's in bullying. That's in sexism. That's in racism. Bystanders, if you don't do anything, you are part of the problem, especially when it's somebody in your close network. And so this kind of goes along and basically he, the producer of the show, gets everyone to sign a get well card soon for their boss and so many people had written like I wouldn't have called the ambulance or I hope you die or you deserve to rot in hell and he was like wow like I didn't realize like how many people felt this way about this dude and what he wrote on the card was I hope you never recover and it kind of spoke once again to the sometimes the minority speaks so loudly and nobody stops them that they think that they're the majority when in fact there is power in numbers and, you know, it's it's sometimes hard to see that until you're like, wait, they're having the same experiences that I am about this person. Maybe I'm not alone in this. And so that's kind of how that ends. The show keeps going. And then, you know, something I'm not going to completely spoil the ending just because they're kind of they tie up loose ends throughout the book that happened that I kind of skipped over. So I don't really want to, you know, dive into that too much because then I'd have to go back and explain why that's important. But at the end, uh, Elizabeth ends up quitting the show because she's like, I want to do what I'm supposed to be doing, and that is being a chemist. Thank you for your support. I appreciate it. Like, congratulations, you just finished your introduction to chemistry. Class dismissed. And, like, I loved the way that she ended. I love that the book didn't end with her staying as the show host of Separate Six, because she never wanted to do that. That was never her passion, her calling. She was doing it to put money in her pocket to provide for her child. Um, so I like that the author didn't just like make her like all of a sudden be like, oh yeah, this is my calling life, is to inspire women in chemistry, because she never loved doing it. Um, but she was like, 
we chemistry is all about change and we have the choice to make a change and I just think that the way that that ended was very brilliant and so that's you know a 20 minute synopsis of the book I think part of the reason why I love this book is because I'm kind of at a crossroads in my life with some things not so much because I am a woman but because of my age um at like work Sometimes I feel like I'm, like, kind of put on the back burner, kind of just, like, pushed aside because I'm younger than a lot of my, uh, coworkers, which, that's fine. I mean, they're all wonderful people. But I'm also at a place where I'm, there's someone new in my life where I find myself, like, feeling silly sometimes, like, when I tell them, like, the dreams and hopes and plans that I have for my life because, like, the way that they speak is very, like, matter-of-fact, like, like, they're just very traditional and they believe that, there's no greater joy that I will have in life than being a mother. And, you know, like, I think that that's another thing to, like, point out about this book is that Elizabeth never wanted to be a mother. But when she had a kid and she stepped up to the challenge because, she, you know, that's just what you do if you are capable of doing that. And um, I, I loved that Elizabeth was not what we would view as the traditional woman, especially because she was set in the 60s. Um, and that your dreams, your hopes, what you want... That's valid. And especially if you have the skills to do it, like there's going to be setbacks because that's how life is. And, you know, sometimes your setback is something that you can't control something. Sometimes it's your age, it's your race, it's your gender. Other times the setbacks are things that just pop up in life, you know, an obstacle, you can't get around a problem, you know, financial things. No matter what that is, there's going to be setbacks. And yes, that sucks. I completely get it. Once again, it's part of life. Uh, But I think it's important to remember that if you have a passion for something, if you believe in yourself and you know that this is something that you can do, push against the grain. Be authentic to yourself and you're going to get somewhere. And you might, you never know who's watching. Obviously for Elizabeth, it was a whole, you know, nation of people watching TV. But in our everyday lives, there are people watching us to see how we're going to respond to something, how we're going to react to something, how we're going to deal with something every day, whether we realize it or not. And so staying true to yourself, keeping it real, and pushing through obstacles is going to get you somewhere. And you might be sitting here like, Jade, this is a fictional book. Okay, but it's based off of stories of women everywhere and people everywhere. And I'm not, I don't want you guys like listening to this being like, oh my gosh, like she's one of those people that hates all men. Like I, I don't, I really don't. I just, because I am a woman, I can speak to the woman experience. I can't speak to the men experience because I'm not a man. Um... And so it was just very inspiring for me uh, to read this book from this author, from Bonnie Garmu, um, and really have an understanding and where I'm just kind of like, yeah, like I relate to that. And I loved it. And I hope you guys read the book, whether you're a guy or girl, young or old, I hope you take the time to read this book. It's a brilliantly written book. I completely understand now why it was Barnes and Noble's book of 2022. If I hadn't gone to a reading slump, I definitely would have finished this book a lot sooner than the month and a half it took me, but I simply just wasn't reading anything. It had nothing to do with the book itself. This book starts off strong and stays strong till the end. There are a lot of like chemistry terms and words and stuff, but they explain it as well. Um, as it goes through, like I didn't, like I said, not a woman in STEM by any means. I got, I think my first C ever in my life in chemistry, um, when I took it in high school. So, but I understood the concepts in the book, um, because of the way that it was just really well written. 
And so I encourage you guys to read this book. I This definitely catapulted to the number one book that I have read this year. I will be doing at the end of the year, which seems so far away, but it'll be here before we know it. I'll be doing a ranking of all the books I read this year, and I have a feeling that this one will be at least in the top three, if I had to guess. I love it almost as much as I love The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Um, I don't, I don't want to quite say that I love it more yet, but I do absolutely adore this book, and I think that if you have the opportunity to read it, you should go read it. Thank you guys so much for coming to my Talk. I hope that this inspires you to go live your dream and do what you're passionate about and do what you're good at because you're capable of doing what you're good at no matter what anyone else says. And I hope you have a wonderful week ahead and I will talk to you next week.